Good morning. Wow. It's so good to be with you here all this morning. My name is Ben. Um, everyone say hi, Ben. Hi, Just in case I haven't met you yet or didn't say hi to you this morning. It is so good to be here this morning with you guys worshiping. You know, I'm, bear with me. I'm just taking a minute um, to try to get from where we were to where we want to go here. Sometimes I feel like when we're in that moment of worship, it's like I could just stay there, sing the praise of Jesus all day. Amen? All right. Thank you, Lord. Earlier this year, um, in, uh, in April, John Krasinski, who you guys might know better as Jim from The Office. Anybody know who Jim from The Office is? So John Krasinski started this YouTube uh, show, and it was called Some Good News. I don't know if any of you guys caught this. It ran for about a month on YouTube. And the premise of, of his show, Some Good News, was simply to share some lighthearted, some heartwarming, uh, some encouraging stories uh, that had been happening. His thought was, uh, as we went through a global pandemic, as we went through um, being locked down, as we went through this big change, that people had had enough of hearing bad, disappointing, discouraging news, and people needed some good news. And so he started this show, and apparently he was right. In about a month, his show received over 72 million views. Isn't that crazy? And within a month, he sold the show to CBS. So can you imagine? He went from, like, had no show at all to 72 million people and selling it to a major network. Now, obviously, he has a little bit of name recognition, and he's a pretty funny guy. He's easy to watch. But still, I think it shows us something. He tapped into something, that people want some good news. People are hungry to hear something good, not just always something discouraging or um, scary, but some good news. How many of you would like some good news? Anybody in this place want some, some good news? I have some good news for you, and I'm excited to tell you. I want to share good news about the gospel with you. In fact, the word gospel means good news, and I want to tell you the good news about the gospel. You guys up for that? So usually when we, when we think of gospel, when someone says gospel, we think salvation through Jesus. Amen? Salvation through Jesus. We sang it just a few moments ago, um, that Jesus is our living hope and our salvation comes through him, and that is absolutely true. But I want to tell you, oh, how many of you have experienced that? How many of you have experienced the gospel? You've experienced good news of what the gospel has done in your life, and you've felt that you've experienced the forgiveness of your sins, um, and that's good. But I have some good news. There's more. There's sort of a, but wait, there's more. There is more, and that is the good news. I want to tell you good news about the gospel message. It's, yes, it means that we are forgiven for our sins, but that is just the beginning. There is so much more to it than that. It's a whole new way of life. A couple years ago, I read this book. It's called Unbroken, and it's a biography of this uh, World War II pilot. His name is Louis Zamperini, and his plane went down in the Pacific, and he was captured, and he was placed in a Japanese uh, prison camp for several years, and then he came home. Incredible book. But I was thinking about this moment um, later in the book. Uh, he had lived in this prison camp through some excruciating circumstances. 
Um, but later, near the end of the war, in fact, at the very end of the war, there came this point where they're in this prison camp, they're surrounded by guards, and they can see, they can hear the U.S. planes flying overhead. Talk about some good news. Man, he's, he's trapped, surrounded by Japanese guards, being just brutalized, and then he sees the American planes. And then he get word that they dropped bombs on um, Japanese cities. And then shortly after that, the news came that the Japanese had surrendered and the war was over. The war was over. Man, can you imagine the news that that would have been to him? But here's the thing that I thought was super interesting about that point in the story. And try to catch what I'm saying here. When he heard the news that the war was over and the enemy had surrendered, he was still living in a prison camp. He was still surrounded by Japanese guards at that point. It was only a couple of weeks later that troops showed up. And then the guards fled and he was free. And it was only a few weeks later than that that he was able to get a, a ride back to the United States and to reunite with his family. So can you imagine if he had settled for the news that the Japanese had surrendered? Awesome. That's good news. That's great. I'm going to go on with my life. But he stayed living in prison in Japan, never returning to his family. It's like he's, just, he's only heard one piece of the good news. He hasn't grasped the whole thing. So that's what I want to tell you today is that there is more to the gospel than forgiveness of your sins. And don't miss out on some of the best parts of the gospel. So um, I want to look at it this morning. I'm going to look at Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. If you have your Bibles, open your Bibles up and look there. It'll be up here on the screens if you want to follow along. But if you have a Bible, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to suggest you pull it out and open it up because we're not going to read very much. We're not going to go very far, but there's some good stuff in these verses. And if you want to underline it or circle it or something, and come back to this because this is a good place. It's a good place to park. This is Romans chapter 5. I'm just going to read a tiny bit right here. There's so much, I could, I could be here all day, but there's, I just want to make a few points here. So, <clears throat> Romans 5, verse 1, starts like this. Therefore, now I grew up um, in this church, listening to Pastor Chris preach, and I've learned that when it says therefore, you should always ask, what's it there for? So why did, why did Paul say that? Why did he say therefore? He's talking about the previous couple of chapters. Romans, this, this book that we're reading, is actually not a book, it's actually a letter that Paul wrote to the church, the Christians in Rome. He wrote them this letter because they were new Christians and he wanted to explain to them who Christ was and what salvation meant and what that should be like in their life. So he spends the first couple of chapters explaining to them how their salvation happens. Salvation is by faith alone. Nobody gets there because of their good deeds. Jew, Gentile, good people, bad people, doesn't matter. Nobody gets made right with God by what they do. It's only by faith in Jesus. That's the first part of Romans. And so then he says, so therefore, now that we got that settled, having been justified by faith, by faith alone and not by your works. This word justified, powerful word. You, get, you should circle it or highlight it or something if you got it in there. Uh, in some translations, I think like the New Living Translation, it says, made right with God. And I love that, that explanation for justification. It means that I have been made right. Things have been made right between me and God. And all of us, before Jesus, we needed that. 
even if you were a really nice guy or a really friendly girl, you still need to be made right with God. And that's what Jesus did. If I were to sum up the gospel, and there's lots of ways you could summarize it, and you'd always be missing pieces of it because it is such a powerful message. But if I were to summarize the gospel in a simple way, it would be like this. Because of Jesus, I belong to the Father. It's that simple. Because of Jesus, and only because of Jesus, I belong to the Father. I am accepted by the Father. I am loved by the Father. And that means all kinds of things. It means forgiveness of my sins. It means eternity with him, but it means so much more than that. And that's what I want to talk about. Salvation is by faith, not by works. Say that, say that back. Salvation is by faith, not by works. That'll take you about 30 seconds to memorize, but it'll take you a whole lifetime to really learn that. And I can tell you that because I've been there myself where so many times I've been able to say that. Yes, it's not by my works. It's all by Jesus. And then I turn around and I try to do good things to make God happy, and that is missing the point. Because we are made right with God once and for all by Jesus. And that is good news. So anyways, I am way off track here. Let's read Romans 5. One, therefore, having been justified by faith, amen, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have access by faith into a hope in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Holy Spirit, I want to ask you to take a moment here and I want to ask you to come and breathe into our minds and into our hearts and into our spirits the things that we need to hear from this scripture verse today, that we could hear the voice of God that brings peace, that brings grace, that brings hope to our situations today. Amen. Everyone say amen. amen. So, a couple of quick points I want to make about these two verses right here. Um, the first one is simple. Because of Jesus, we have peace about the past. Because of Jesus, you and I can have peace about the past. And Paul says it really, really simple, really short. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The war is over. The battle has been won. It's time for peace. But let's be honest. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but let's be honest. Many of us live with painful memories about things in our past. Some of that is wounds from other people, things they've said about us or done to us, and we carry um, a hurt. And instead of a peace, you have anxiety or maybe anger. And some of us, um, our past is full of shameful things, things that we're guilty of, things we shouldn't have done that we feel bad about doing. And so we worry about that. We replay in our mind those, those things in the past. And it might be a month ago, it might be last year, it could be 30 years ago, but you remember something that hurt you or something you did to hurt somebody else. And I want to tell you that we, because of Jesus and because of him alone, we have peace about the past. Not because you or I are some incredibly zen kind of human who can let it all go. Not, I wish, but no. We can have peace about the past because of Jesus. 
Amen? It's good news. It's good news. Peace is not just the absence of war. Peace is the presence of something good. Peace is the presence of something good. And that is good news. Because even if you could escape all of the war, all of the fighting, people saying mean things about you and you saying bad things about other people and hurting other people, if you could escape all that, I think we all know in our heads we would still be a little bit tormented, a little bit anxious, a little bit not at peace. But because of Jesus, we have peace because of the presence of something good. I don't want to make light of the pains of your past or the guilt and shame of your past. I don't want to make light of it. I don't want to belittle those things. There are some very serious things in our past. Those things are not made up. Those things are not like get over and get past it. I'm telling you, there's some real stuff there that can really hurt. But there is something else that's just as real, and that is that you belong to God. By faith, you are accepted by the Father. You are loved by the Father. You are cherished by your Father in heaven. And that is something good that can bring peace to your heart. And even you might look back and say, yeah, but so-and-so really, really hurt me. True, they did. But God loves you, and God has accepted you. You might say, but yeah, but back then, I did this, I treated people terrible, I, 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 whatever, I did these horrible things, and I, I keep, can't forget about it. It's true, you did those things, but because of Jesus, you're accepted by the Father, and you can have peace about what is in your past. Um, so, as you all know, this is not news to anybody, <laughs> we're in the midst of a, a uh, pandemic, a virus that's spreading, and earlier this year, I'm going to be really vulnerable with you guys, and maybe you can relate, maybe not, maybe you went through something similar, but earlier this year in like March and April, we hit this moment of lockdown where they said, okay, don't send your kids to school, don't go to work, don't go to stores, everyone just stay home. And at first it was like, okay, this is weird, this is different, we'll play Monopoly again, it'll be fun. But after like a couple of days, I realized I was starting to feel it emotionally and mentally. And here's what I realized, and this might not be true for you, but here's what I realized, is that as much as I say that I'm accepted because of what Jesus did, the truth is, sometimes I feel like God loves me because I'm a good guy. Sometimes I feel like God loves me because I work hard and because I do lots of things and I spend lots of time with people and uh, with ministry, and working at the church, and doing lots of things. And I think that is why God likes me. That's why God thinks I'm a good guy. And I was confronted by that lie when suddenly I couldn't do that anymore. I couldn't go to work. I couldn't meet with people. I couldn't minister with our youth group, with other parts of our church. Suddenly I had to just stay home, and I just, I was who I was, and I couldn't do anything to make myself look better. And suddenly I realized, does God still love me if I don't do anything? Am I still valuable if I don't do anything? And I started to get really discouraged. Started to get really discouraged and kind of like, I just, I, I, don't, know, I don't even know what I do anymore. And here's the funny thing. Maybe it's not funny. It's funny looking back, but here's the thing is that then I realized I was discouraged and then I got discouraged about the fact that I was getting discouraged. Anybody else have been in that cycle? Like, I should be better than this. I should be more mature than this. I should be smarter than this. I know that my value comes from Jesus and not from what I do. Why am I so upset about it? And I was like, I was praying a little bit. I was like, Jesus, I'm 
sorry, I'm so discouraged, I promise I will stop. And here's the piece that came to me. He said, you know what? He said, hey, 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 shh, 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 stop. He said, Ben, it's okay. I felt like he said this. He said, it's okay. And I said, yeah, I know. It, it's going to be okay. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop being so discouraged and upset about this. And he said, no, 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 you don't get it. He said, it's okay. It's fine. You'll get past this. But even if you don't, I still love discouraged people. I still love depressed people. Even if you never get out of this, it's okay. I still love you. And that brought peace to my heart. I was like, you know what? I might get over this quickly. I might take me years to get over this. But it's okay. Because I am loved by the Father. And I hope that that good news brings some peace to some of you guys today. But whatever you might be going through, what might be in your past, have peace about it. So the next line says... Um, we have peace about the past. Because of Jesus, we also have grace in the present. Amen. This is, this is some of the best news, that we have grace for the present moment. Paul says it really simply again. He says we have access by faith into a grace in which we stand. A grace to stand. No matter what is going on, no matter what you're feeling, no matter what people are saying about you, God gives you grace to stand. Grace, one of the most important parts of the gospel message, is grace. And grace doesn't just mean that God's going to overlook some faults. It means God is on your side. One of the best words, at least one of my favorite words to describe grace, is favor. Can you imagine that? Favor. God shows you his favor. You're one of his favorites. Imagine like this. What if you met... Um, a millionaire. No, a billionaire. What if you met a billionaire? And this guy has houses in every major city on the globe, and he has his own private plane. He flies to all these planes. And his friends are, you know, in all the governments around the world. This guy is important. He's got lots of money. Want something to happen, this guy can do it. What if you made friends with a billionaire? And he gave you his business card, and he said, hey, if you ever need a favor, you call me. Can you imagine? you ever need any help, just give me a call. You need a hookup, just let me know. I can take care of it. Come on, tell me that wouldn't be amazing, yeah? But we have the same thing with God. The same thing with God. He says, hey, if you ever need a favor, you just ask. We have favor with God. Paul explains it like this in Romans. He explains this. this is a cool thought. He says, if he sent his son to die for you, when you are a terrible person, I'm sorry to burst your bubble, but at one point you were a terrible person. If God sent his son to die for you when you were a terrible person, how much more is he going to do for you now that you're accepted, now that you're loved, now that you're a part of his family, now that you're a child of God, now that you are made righteous by what Jesus has done, how much more favor do you have with God? That is some good news. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter what you're facing. You've got the favor of God. You've got the grace of God available to you. You have access is the word that's in there. Access to it. Whew, access. So I like to think of access like money in the bank, okay? So if anybody asks me, like, hey, do you have any money on you? The answer is probably no. I, I, almost, never carry, I almost never carry cash in my wallet. I checked this morning. There's no cash in here. 
So I could be walking around, I need to buy something, I don't have any money. But I'll tell you what I do have. I have access to money. My money is all in the bank. That's where I keep it. And this little piece of plastic, if you can't see, and some of you guys are far back there, it's a credit card or debit card. And this gives me access to all of the money that's in the bank. So I don't carry it around with me, but when I need it, in the moment I need it, it's available to me. You see what I'm saying? And in the moment that you need the grace of God, it is absolutely available for you, but you need to access it. You need to say, God, in this moment, I need some grace. And he promises, because of Jesus, that grace is available to you. God gives it to us in the moments that we need it most. I'm a father. I have three little kids. And I've got to tell you something. Kids, cover your ears. Sometimes parents make mistakes. Sometimes, stop nodding your head back there. Sometimes parents do the wrong thing or say the wrong thing. Sometimes parents have no idea how to handle their kids, what to do with their kids. Amen? And, and what I found is that God gives me grace in those moments when I need it and when I ask for it. I have a situation with one of my kids that I'm like, God, I don't know what to say to this kid. I don't have any wisdom. I don't know how to fix this problem. I don't know what advice to give him. I don't even have patience to not lose my cool. God, I need grace. God, I need wisdom. And I felt like he said, don't worry. I'll give it to you. Don't worry about it. Trust me. Go, go speak to your child, and I'll give you wisdom. Trust me. I'll give you patience. Trust me. It's going to be okay. You're doing a good job. It's going to be okay. And that's the kind of grace that God affords us when we access that grace. Again, don't raise your hand, but how many of you have a coworker that you just hate to be around, or a boss that you just don't want to see on Monday morning, or somebody else that you're just avoiding because they're a pain in your neck. Don't raise your hand. Stop nodding your heads. Jeez, people, give yourselves away. But you can, in those moments, you can say, God, I need grace for this situation. God, give me some grace for this person. God, give me some love to deal with this person or to deal with this problem. Something comes up, you're like, I don't know how to fix that. I don't know what decision to make. God, give me wisdom to make the right decision in those. And he promises, because of Jesus, you will have grace in the moment, in the present moment. That's a prayer I think is really, really good to learn. Is, God, give me grace for this moment. It's that simple. God, give me grace for this moment. God, give me grace in this moment. And you know what? Some of you are looking ahead at a season you know, maybe you're about to homeschool your kids for the first time. And you think, God, give me grace for this season. And he will. It might be something you've never handled before, but God will give you grace for that moment and for that season and for that task that's ahead of you. Because you are accepted by the Father. So, um, last, thing I wanna, last note I want to make here from these verses is we have, um, I totally forget. Peace about the past grace in the present, and we have hope for our future. Amen? We have hope about the future. <coughs> Paul says, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And this hope, this word hope, in fact, I listened to one scholar said that there really isn't the right word in the English language 
for this word hope. Because we, we see the word hope and we think, oh, I really hope that happens. Our, our idea of hope sometimes can be like a wishful thinking, like, oh, I really, really, really hope I get that for Christmas, or I really, really hope I get a raise, or whatever it is. I'm just really hoping for it. But this word hope isn't like that. It's not just a wishful thinking. This is a confident expectation of something that you know is coming. It's looking forward to something that you know for sure is coming. Let me give you an example. I really hope that the Bills make it into the playoffs this coming season. But I do not have a confident expectation that that is going to happen. Amen. <laughs> Can I get an amen? Our expectation, our hopeful expectation, is something reasonable. It's something we have a good reason to expect is going to happen. We have a, we have a, a little tiny garden uh, behind our house, and we planted um, some peppers and some carrots and a cucumber or two. And, you know, we would go out there and we would water it and we would weed it. And at first, it was just like a little tiny blade. Or maybe then it grew a little bit, but there was no fruit. But if you've ever gardened before, grown something before, you have a hope. You have a confident expectation that there is going to be something there. Like the carrots, for instance. Carrots are just like this big leafy thing. You don't see anything worth eating, right? I mean, I'm not a rabbit. I'm not going to eat the green part. But I have a confident expectation that beneath the ground is something delicious. It's that same kind of confidence that we have in God. It's not like, well, I really hope he does something to fix the problems. It's No, I'm confident that it's coming. I'm looking forward to better things that are coming. I know I'm expecting those better things. And that is the good news about the Gospels. It doesn't start when I, came, when I made a decision and I decided to serve the Lord. The power of the Gospel is that there is hope that is coming. R.C. Sproul said that hope is the bedrock of our faith. Hope is the thing that our faith is built on. And he put it like this. He said, hope and faith, think about this with me if you can, hope and faith are two sides of the same coin. Hope and faith are two sides of the same coin. Faith is believing in what God has done, and hope is believing in what God is going to do. By faith, I believe, I have faith that Jesus paid the penalty for my sin. But I have hope that I will be perfected and I will be sinless. In fact, it says, Paul has said that he who began a good work will complete it. And that is my hope. I have faith that God started something good in me, but I hope that it's going to happen soon. I have a hope that it's going to happen soon. I have faith that Jesus is alive. How many of you have faith that Jesus is alive, that he was risen from the grave? And I have a hope that I will see him one day with my own eyes. I will see him again. That is my hope. I have faith that Jesus healed people. I've read about it in the Bible. I've heard stories about it. Jesus has healed people, and I have faith that that has happened. But I have a hope that I will be healed, and I will be given a new body, and all physical ailments will be behind me. How many of you find that to be good news, that we have a hope for healing in Jesus? Amen? How many of you guys are excited about some good news this morning? And so actually the question I want to ask is this. What good news do you want to hear? 
Do you want to hear the good news that your sins have been forgiven? Do you want to hear the good news that your past, you have peace about it? Do you want good news that God's given you grace in the moment, whatever you're going through? Do you want good news that in the future, there is a hope, there is a hope for what God has done? All of those are available to you by faith in Jesus. Not something you can earn, not something you can, you can convince God to do for you. It's by putting your faith in Jesus. Amen. So I'm going to give you a quick moment here. Um, if this sounds like good news to you, I want to give you an opportunity to make a decision to put your faith in Jesus. And I don't care if you've never done this before or if you've done this a hundred times. It doesn't matter. I think you should every single day make a decision to put your faith in Jesus. So I want to give you an opportunity this morning to make that decision afresh. No pressure. Nobody's counting heads or looking at you. You do whatever you feel comfortable with. But if you want to, I'm going to ask you to stand and pray with me. It's going to be a really, really short prayer, but I'm going to ask you to stand um, if you want to say, Jesus, I'm putting my faith in you. I'm going to pray a really simple prayer. I ask you to pray with me. <clears throat> you guys can just repeat after me. Jesus, thank you for the gospel. Thank you that my sins are forgiven. Thank you that you've given me peace. Thank you for your grace. My hope is in you. And I will do whatever you ask. Amen. Amen. Um, I trust that you guys are encouraged by the good news about the gospel. Um, and I pray that you have a... Uh, a wonderful week. Thank you.